Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. <laughs> yes. How you doing? I'm pissed. Oh. Oh, why? Um, because for now, the third time, um, the Warner Brothers under the uh, error-filled and tyrannical reign of David oh, Zasloff has yeah. shelved a finished movie. First, and I have it was, no idea why. I... It's because it's not. They figured out they could make more money not releasing it as some sort of insurance or thing or tax thing. I don't know what it is, but this gets. To, we we did this as a top of the show topic when they canceled Batgirl. Yeah, I think, or, I think it was with you. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Warner Brothers is no longer a film production company. I know. <laughs> the, uh, it's like I, I think I said the same thing last time. There's episode of Silicon Valley mm. where your friend and mine, Stephen Tobolowsky, yeah. tells Richard, like, Pied Piper, your algorithm is not the product. Right. The stock is the product. Right, And absolutely. that's how David Zaslav is running Warner Brothers, and it means that now, uh, and not to be, like, obviously personal tastes are going to come into it. This, I'm pissed about this on principle. Yeah. Of the three, this is the first one that I'm like, fuck, I really wanted yeah. to see that. So I know there was Batgirl. And then what there was, was the other one? Scoob. It was a, like oh, a, that's right. a yeah. Scooby movie. That came yeah. out was called Scoob Haunt. It was like a scary Scooby movie. Yeah. Um, they're all kind of scary. I mean, they're not actually scary. Yeah, they're all yeah. scare adjacent. Um, Thank God they pull those masks off at the end. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd just be <laughs> shitting my pants. Yeah, nightmares for the rest of your exactly. life. Um, but this one... Coyote versus Acme. It sounded great. And it's, yeah, an anima- animation live action hybrid in which the Wiley Coyote attempts to sue the Acme Corporation. <laughs> That's such a great idea. It's a great premise. I also, like, uh, I'm a big Looney Tunes head, and yeah. um, Roadrunner Wiley Coyote cartoons are often among my favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, I just love the. Uh, uh, the lack of dialogue is always great, and um, seeing which <laughs> ridiculous ways the coyote's going to get yeah. thrown off a cliff or smashed by a rock or whatever, just it still makes me laugh. Um, and this is here's a controversial take, hot take, hot take. Roadrunner cooler than Bugs Bunny, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Every once in a while, those fucking tortoises get the best Bugs Bunny. Sure. Nobody beats the Roadrunner. That's true. The Roadrunner yes. Always wins. Yeah. sounds vaguely threatening when you put it that way Um, but yeah you know it's once upon a time I remember when I when I would use the word the term studio calculation to talk specifically about how a movie is made but now it has a totally different meaning it's literal calculations and determining Yep. Whether a movie can even be seen. Yep. And that is so... Depressing? That's so dispiriting. Like, and, it's really... Yeah. It's And, you know, it's so fascinating. I am... Um, what's going on over there? You keep talking. Okay. Um, I watched a YouTube video recently. It was like an hour and a half. And, uh, and it was like, um, like, who killed cinema? And so he goes through, like, all the... And he treats it like a whodunit. Uh-huh. And so he goes through all the suspects and it's like, you know, uh, the death of the movie star. Like all stuff that we've talked about on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Marvel, but not Marvel specifically. That's just more like emblematic of a larger issue, mm-hmm. which is like thinking purely in terms of franchises. Um, and literally at one point he just goes, David Zaslav. Yeah. Like he, he didn't even say like... And I don't think he even said, like, oh, he's emblematic of a specific type of executive. Like, this is a new kind of executive. This is... I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by, like, the history specifically of television and just seeing, like, how big of a role uh, a corporate guy can play um, for good or ill. And this guy, man... I just don't understand. I mean, I do understand, but I don't understand why he was uh, put in charge of the company. Yeah, I mean, I understand on paper, but I don't yeah. understand. And I'm kind of made my peace with not understanding 
why people like him exist. Like, how they come I, about. I know. What joy do they get out of life? Like, it's a fundamentally different way of thinking about life. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, hey, I'm, uh, I'm pro-capitalism. But at the same time, you got to adapt to the fucking business you're in. And in his mind, it's like every kind of business out there is exactly the same and can be approached exactly the same. But at the same time, it's like, yes, but you do recognize that this is a very specific kind of customer base. And if they get word that you are holding back a product that they might want to engage with, like, they're going to be furious. And, well, not just the... uh Let's say customer, the audience. Well, I wanted to speak yeah. purely in market terms. Yes, okay. Because so, I'm sure that's how he does. Yeah, so yeah, right. Yeah, so not only the customer, but like um, if you're a named director yeah. and you have your choice of studios, like, that's, it, yeah. is there any reason to go with Warner Brothers right now? Yeah. You know, I mean, this was, I mean, yeah, Dave Green, the director of Coyote versus Acme, um, He's not a huge name. He did the second of the Michael Bay-produced Ninja Turtles movies. But the movie was produced by James Gunn, who, in theory, has a lot of sway at... Should have a lot of sway at WB, at at Warner Brothers, but apparently not enough to save uh, a movie that, uh, by all accounts, among the people who did see advanced screenings, was very good. I mean, just... I was going to, again, like, this is just me not thinking in a corporate way. Part of me is just like, oh, just throw it on a streaming service. If you feel like it's not going to be worth a theatrical release, just do that. But it's like, well, I'm not even thinking in terms of like, oh, let's just count it as a loss completely. And in order to do that, we can't show it to anybody. Yeah. And it is it is a very, uh, a very craven way to approach uh, this whole situation, and it is increasingly uh, very depressing. And I do hope that at some point, Warner Brothers like comes to their senses, and they're like, "This guy is ruining our brand," you know, to keep uh, to keep other corporate speak going. This guy is ruining our brand. We got to get rid of him. Yeah, he's ruining the Warner Brothers brand. He's are trying. He's tried as hard as he can to ruin HBO as a brand. Yeah. Um, which is insane. Like, yeah. I mean, what brand name in television has more cachet yeah. than HBO? Yeah. Insane. I mean, Hallmark, I guess. Hmm? Uh, Hallmark, I guess. The greeting Be- card people? Or was that? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I'm furious, but I do yeah. think if it does hurt the brand in enough, in, in a way that the yeah. shareholders see... A decline in value, then Zaslav will hopefully be uh, ousted, ousted, kicked yeah. out of this, r- r- ridden out of this town on a rail. Yeah, uh, not welcome in Hollywood um, yeah. ever again. And, and, they, and they, maybe uh, they'll put out all these movies. And they salt get to the see. floors of his office. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll but get yeah. to see Scoob and Batgirl, and most importantly, Coyote versus Acme, or yeah. whatever one he decides to cancel next. Yeah, it's. I am grateful though that like. You know, this, it does make you wonder, like, are there any that he, that haven't been released that we didn't hear about? Because we've heard about all of them so far. And I'm glad that, like, there are people out there that are sort of finding this out and reporting yeah. it. So, uh... People know what movies are in production. I think so, yeah. yeah. But isn't there, like, isn't there, I'm trying to think what else is, like, a Warner Brothers, like... Doesn't Adam Wingard have another Godzilla movie on the way? Like, uh, I believe that could end up. I think there's a there's the like a series. Or... Oh, okay. Um, and I think it's for Apple TV. Um, oh. it's called Monarch, which is like the 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 company that deals with kaiju no, okay, and yeah, stuff. No, I know. I've heard of that because I've seen ads for it. No, okay. is, I think there's also a because um, Adam Wingard did Godzilla versus Kong. Yes, and yeah. I thought he was doing another. Godzilla-related movie. Or maybe it was another Kong-related movie. Let's see. Upcoming projects. Uh, 2024, Godzilla X Kong. I don't know, Godzilla Times Kong? Hmm. The New Empire. Um, All right. Rebecca Hall, Dan Stevens, Brian Tyree Henry. 
Yeah, this is, I guess, supposed to, so yeah, this, Yeah. if we, maybe we'll never see Godzilla X Kong, the new yeah. empire. I mean, if we do see it, hopefully we don't see it under that name. Um, maybe the X is meant to be like hugs, <laughs> like XOXO, Godzilla yeah. hugs Godzilla Kong. Godzilla hugs Kong. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, they really uh, made a lot of progress since the last movie. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is very depressing. Godzilla and Kong sitting in a tree. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, before we... Let's move on to something more positive, which is um, tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. I use them each and every day of my life. Um, today, I was listening to and loving... Um, it's uh, an album that is now 20 years old. The album is called The Earth Is Not a Cold Dead Place. The band is Explosions in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Tyler, I know you like Explosions in the Sky, even if you don't remember who that is. Um, <laughs> um, they did well, the score I for mean, Friday Night Lights, the movie. Oh, that is that is a good score. Yeah. So, I also just like Explosions in the Sky. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that kind of, like, soaring post-rock. Like, Explosions in the Sky have done yeah. things since, and they've always been good, but, like, going back to this album that's 20 years old and yeah. going, holy Christ, they were really in the groove. There's a, uh, they, they remind me of, um, like, This Will Destroy You. It's just kind of that... Uh, I don't know that. Oh, the band? No. I think it's called, I'm pretty sure it's called This Will Destroy You. Um, yeah, it's like all instrumental stuff. Yeah. Um, some of it, and it, it often has, like, quite a build uh, over over the course of, like, an eight-minute song. Um, yeah. Uh, a song of theirs called uh, The Mighty Rio Grande is featured prominently in Moneyball. Um, okay. And uh, they're wonderful. And so I think if you if you like Explosions in the Sky, you should check out This Will Destroy You. I think you'd like it a lot. Um, well, yeah. Uh, Sorry about that. I'm sure it'll all sound great on um, your tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at bite.com bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door treatment costs thousands less than braces plus they offer financing options accept eligible insurance and you can pay with your hsa fsa Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler, we're back. Yeah. Let's get into it, shall we? What are we talking about? Okay. I don't even know where to start because this topic is one that I'm sure in many ways has been beaten to death. I don't like when I first thought of it, I was like, surely we've talked about this before. Um, and maybe we have. I mean, we've touched on it. I don't think we've done yeah. it as an episode. But, you know, a lot of our listeners have better memories than we do. Yeah, boy, we'll, that's for and, sure. And we'll say, hey, you did this already. Next week, let's do another, uh, let's do an episode about Shakespeare and film. <laughs> See how that goes. Um, yeah, we've never done that. We've but, never done that twice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know... I'm watching a lot of stuff these days. I'm watching newer movies. I'm watching TV shows. I'm watching. Old, I'm trying to catch up on older movies. But then every once in a while, I get this desire to just kind of revisit a movie that I've seen before, sometimes several times. And it just got me thinking, well, of course, and I run into that dilemma that every movie person does, which is, And especially in the critic world, which is like, do I watch a new movie that I haven't seen? New to you. Yeah, Yeah. well, yeah, new to you or just or even just a a movie from this year. So you can be like part of that conversation. Do I watch that or do I watch an older film that I've already seen? Um, And, you know, sometimes if you pick the one you've seen, it feels almost irresponsible. Because like, oh, but I've got to, you know, I've got to have an opinion about 
this movie or that movie or whatever. Or um, just how can I like how can I rewatch a movie I've seen multiple times when I still haven't seen and, yeah, whatever exactly. your huge blind spot is? You know exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely struggle with that, and I definitely tend to err on the side of watching something I haven't seen before. Yeah, but I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to um, be a movie lover. I think there is right. there are rewards that come from rewatching movies, um, right? And that's why I've t- I haven't done it in a while, but um, I have like go to rewatches that are like sure. my, like comfort food movies. Yeah, um, I know you and I feel very differently. Like we we both like Goodfellas, but we tend to react to right. it in very different ways. Right. Goodfellas is a comfort food movie for me. Oh. <laughs> you find it <laughs> too upsetting. It's, um, I don't see how you can see like the last thirty minutes of that movie and be like, ah, this is nice. It's well, it's so stirring the sauce, and Janet's at, got the, uh, uh, the diamonds in her in her hair, or yeah, whatever. That's right. Uh, I love, at this point, it's sort of like I mean, like the more you watch something, yeah. So it's know. just the familiarity with it. But also, I can focus on what's like funny about it. Like, sure, this is a funny movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's the same way that like I've I've watched There Will Be Blood so many times that like I I am half just watching it as a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, um, yeah. which I don't think is wrong. Paul Thomas Anderson's movies are yes. are always funny. Always. Um, but I think that there is a difference between like go to comfort food and then like um, rewatching something that is very. Uh, uh, intellectually stimulating. Right. Like I've, I've seen Uncle Boomy, who can recall his past lives multiple times, and yeah. it's not in the same way as I like. Oh, I'll throw on Uncle Boomy. Like it's sure. there's an intentionality to it. That's yeah. Like I am thinking about like I miss the feeling, or I have more. I think I can uncover by watching this. Yeah. I'll sit down and intentionally watch it, as opposed to yeah. The, the no Country for Old Men or something, which I just sure. like. That's a perfect like throw on. Movie, yeah, you know. And it's so interesting. Like for you and I, it is. I'm sure for most people, they'd be like, "Ugh, it's like I watched that once and so depressing and yeah. weird." Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Is so like, this got me just thinking about why we rewatch movies, um, and then that goes to like, should we rewatch movies, and then that goes to. Were movies made to be rewatched? Um, and if so, is that kind of a ripoff? Um, not financially, <laughs> but just like, and it just got me thinking about like the history of film exhibition. Because what's, what's a ripoff, Phil? Oh, just the idea of like, like almost a film filmmaker saying like, yeah, they might not like it the first time, but. I'll intrigue them just enough to get them to watch it a second time, maybe a third, and then they'll like it. And it's just like, I think... Well, did you see um, James Cameron responded to, like, runtime complaints for The Way of Water? Yeah. Like, of not having an intermission and everything? And he was like, he said something like, just go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom. Whatever you miss, you'll see the next time you come see it. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and well, and that's... I mean, that's amusing, but also... You know, in the early days of film, um, before TV, uh, really, the only way to see movies was in the theater. And yes, people would go see the same movie over and over again. It's one of the reasons why... uh, Excuse me. It's one of the reasons why Gone with the Wind was so successful, as people would see it over and over. Thus, you know, at that point... I think you could say that a significant percentage of their lives was spent watching Gone with the Wing because it's so damn long. Um, that reminds me, I know I've told this story on the podcast before. My mom, when she was a teenager, mm-hmm. worked at a movie theater. So yeah. And, and uh, the movie theater had like a main screen and right. then either one or two small screens. And the one or yeah. two small screens would flip over every week or two. Yeah. But the entire year, she worked at for a year. Yeah. There were only two movies in the main theater, The yeah. Sting and The Godfather Part Two. The Sting, the that's only right. Two movies. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, my mom has seen The Sting. She still considers it her favorite movie, last time I asked, and has seen it like scores of times, probably because of that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but uh, yeah, movies used to stay in theaters longer, I guess is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. What, and, what we're saying. And so that's the thing is, I do wonder, and I'm not really sure, 
I'll, I'll, I'll stick primarily with like American movies right now and then we can branch out later um, I wonder if American films were maybe a little bit more it sounds insulting a little bit simpler back then because at that point a filmmaker couldn't really guarantee that people would see their movie a second time Whereas now, I think there are plenty of filmmakers who are like, oh, I'm going to have, you know, it's like as long as I make a good movie, I can have it be as complicated or confusing as I want because people might return to it. Um, And so I do just wonder, like, you know, I think there are filmmakers that are relying on people rewatching their movies. And then that, so I was thinking first about intentionality of the filmmaker and then I started thinking about you know the audience because obviously we're the ones that make the choice if we're going to rewatch something or not and so then I started thinking like should we rewatch movies you know or should we uh, or should we just like see it now obviously my answer is sure why not but I am thinking like I think we as like Film critics and cinephiles yeah. do have a duty to rewatch movies. Okay, um, I, the, but I, I think I would say that most filmmakers from the beginning to today probably aren't intentionally trying to make a movie that you have to rewatch. Mm. There might be some, but I think most filmmakers are still right. they still want because I mean the pre-advent of, of home video, let alone yeah. streaming and stuff like that, it didn't stop Hitchcock from making Vertigo, which is sure. like incredibly, like, textually rich Yeah, that's true. ...film, you know? Um, but so, there was TV at that point. And okay. starting in the 50s and certainly in the 60s, um, you started to get uh, contracts between networks and studios to start showing stuff on TV. Granted, you know, it's black and white instead of color and all that sort of thing, but... Uh, Don't get me wrong, I don't think Hitchcock would ever take that into account. I think he was just going to make whatever movie he wanted to make, regardless of its complexity or lack thereof. Um, Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I I don't don't think I have much more. I I guess I'm I'm more interested in this topic from the viewer's perspective. Yeah, I'm fine to shift to that. But no, if you have more to say about filmmakers, but it is my contention based on pure, like... I'm like George W. Bush here, going with my gut. Sure. Um, that, by and large, filmmakers are not intentionally making films that require repeat viewings. All right, so now let me ask you this. Do you think studios might be invested in that? No. Do you think studios would want to make it just complex enough that a person might want to come back. No, because, uh, not today, uh, because studios, movies spend, like, what, three weeks in theaters yeah, and on streaming. Everything's true. just content. They don't yeah. care. Like, they want you to subscribe to the to the streaming, right. pl- the streaming platform. That's yeah, whether you click on this stuff, or that doesn't you know? matter. Um, as long as you're clicking. Like, I've read that Netflix's algorithm, I don't know if this is true, this is speculation, that Netflix's alg- algorithm, like, intentionally discourages rewatches that it like it will not if you're just browsing it will not suggest something that you've watched all of recently i don't know if that's true or not i mean um, it sounds I feel like there true. is a watch it again uh I've... category maybe there isn't anymore but um yeah i know that like i have to like when i finish watching bojack all of bojack and want yeah. to start it over yeah. the next week um i have to go search for it yeah oh uh, interesting it, yeah, that that yeah that tracks certainly. Um, so, but yeah, I'm fine to talk about from the viewer standpoint. But I want to. If you had things to say about that at all, oh no, it's it's them. it's more just kind of throwing questions out there about like you know the way movies are are shown um, is always going to have an impact on how they're made. And so, you know, first we had theatrical runs and then we had like, oh, you can watch them on TV now. And then like, oh, now you can rent them. And now it's, oh, you can stream them. And so now I'm sure there are plenty of directors that 
especially if it's like an independent film, they might think, oh, this might get a theatrical run. It might not. It might go someone, some streaming service might buy it up and that's, that's where it'll end up. Um, and so in that instance, I do wonder if there are filmmakers, not that they're relying upon a rewatch, but if they're thinking in terms of like, this is not going to be watched in the traditional sense of the word. Um, people can stop and start it. Uh, they can watch it over the course of several nights because they're busy. Um, and if there is something that they feel like they missed, they can go back and rewatch that. Maybe not the whole movie, but just that. And I feel like there's got to be directors taking that into account. Um, I mean, hacks, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. But I, I think it's more, well, it's definitely true because you reminded me of a story that I read um, about, and I had to look up who directed the Apple TV Plus film. Dexter Fletcher directed Ghosted with Chris he, Evans on Anadio Mas. He directed that. Interesting. Anyway. Dexter Fletcher is not a bad director. Um, he said that Apple TV Plus scrapped his initial opening sequence, which was a long driving sequence of Anadeo Mas, yeah. because they said on streaming, something needs to happen right away, or yeah. else people aren't going to stick. They basically have to have like oh, action in 30 seconds, or else people aren't going to stick yeah. with it. Um, so it was supposed to be this like helicopter shot following her driving through the uh, like a mountain road or something. Like The Shining. Uh, uh, yeah. But uh, I guess you can do that in a theatrical setting because people have like you know yeah. they've they've paid for the ticket and they're sitting there they're a yeah. captive audience with with streaming I guess you have to I don't know uh, yeah that's true but that I mean I've always said that I'm one of those people who like quixotically like thinks that I will somehow eventually see every movie ever sure, made of course but movies like Ghosted and Red Notice and The Gray Man and stuff I like know. that like. They don't even feel real to me. I, I, I don't really have any desire to, to see them. Like, even when they have actors in there that I like, mm -hmm. and they're directed by filmmakers that I like, I totally agree with you. I haven't seen any of those. Red Notice did not interest me. Somehow, Gray Man interested me even less. <laughs> and yeah, it just felt like, hey, uh, or Extraction, that's another one. Where it's like, all right, let's just make this uh, generic action movie because we need something. And it'll catch people's attention right away. And, uh, yeah, that's enough, right? They actually did, um, Peep Behind the Curtain, they did press screenings for Extraction 2. Oh, okay. Which is interesting to think, like, they're showing... Critics are going to get to see it in the theater the way no one else will ever right. ever see it. As opposed to just, like, when I reviewed stuff for Netflix, I guess this was during COVID, but yeah. when I reviewed, like, The Old Guard or The Devil All the Time, like, sure. I got a link and I watched it at home the way that someone yeah. would watch it. But it's weird to, like... Um, yeah. Go, but um, uh, shout out to oh, we didn't talk about the strike ending. The oh, strike that's ending. right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shout out to our own um, very principled reviewer Scott Nye, who was supposed to go review Extraction Two. Yeah. Uh, but it was at Netflix, and he got there, and there were picketers, and he decided he didn't oh. want to cross the picket line, which I fully support. Um, I don't cross picket lines. Uh, no, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if there were if uh, if there was a critic strike, then certainly I wouldn't uh, cross that. But in in solidarity, like, do you honk when you? Well, I guess you you haven't been out about driving. Yeah, I mean, um, there is a horn on my wheelchair. Okay, but I haven't been yeah. in a position to go on but to I, studio yeah, I, lots. I have never in my life crossed a picket line, and I've um, there's only a couple times that I've been faced with that that possibility. Yeah, one time. Natalie and I canceled our hotel reservation and booked a hotel somewhere else because we found out the hotel workers were on strike. Oh, okay. And then, um, big memory, the week that my dad died, when mm -hmm. I was home, the, uh, in St. Louis, the grocery workers union, union was on strike. Yeah. So anytime it was like, oh, David, we, we, you know, there's funerals and stuff. Everything needs to be picked up. Like, David, can you get some yeah. whatever, whatever? I was going to, like, convenience stores and gas stations and probably paying yeah. too much. Oh, but yeah. it's because I uh, I don't cross picket lines. Um, and I'm very glad that the actor strike is over for a lot of reasons. But um, one of them being that I occasionally have to go on to studio lots for my job. Yeah. And if it came to that, that would be, like, a really difficult decision. Oh, that's true, um, yeah. For me. So luckily it never came to... 
uh, to that. I never had to choose not to cross a SAG or WGA picket line. But yes, yeah, I no, never I crossed a picket line in my life. I hope to keep it that way. I don't think I've ever been in the position to do it or not. Um, there is this tendency in me to be like, I don't have anything to do with this. And like the idea of solidarity, it's like, that appeals to me. Yeah. But it, it appeals <laughs> to me, but it doesn't occur to me. Um, and also, I feel like when it comes right down to it, how hard did you need to twist Scott's arm to not see extraction <laughs> too? If anything, I'm sure he's like, oh, like it, maybe it was just like a crowd of people and yeah. he thought it was them. He's like, good enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually have an upcoming screening at Netflix um, for May, December. Uh, oh, the cool. movie, and so that's mostly I'm happy the picket line, the the the, the strike has ended for the actors and everything. Yeah. But a part of me is like, Phew, I don't have to worry about that. Well, <laughs> and then here's a stupid part of me is I'm thinking in terms of our uh, our awards draft, and you know when when actors are striking. They can't do any publicity. Yeah. And so there was talk that some of the movies that like we that we all selected in our awards draft might be pushed to the following year because yeah. the actors weren't able to do any publicity. So now that that's done, yeah, uh, I don't have to worry about uh, changing my picks anytime soon. Do you remember? Does anyone in our? Uh, by the way, if you want to hear about. Uh, me and Tyler and Scott's draft picks, sign up for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Battleship Retention. Sign up at the 5 or $10 level because I, uh, we only get one month, one episode a month at the $2 level and I already did the November oh, one. Okay. So you won't. But uh, the second episode of November, we are going to be, we've already recorded it, uh, running down the three of our uh, our uh, teams. Cool. Um, uh, but that reminds me, I'm trying to remember if anyone had selected anything for the bike riders, the new Jeff. Uh, I movie? don't believe so. Okay. Because, um, uh, that I think officially no longer has a U.S. release date. It was supposed to be early December. Oh, okay. And, um, then they, I think they pushed it to late December at first. And then I noticed, yeah. cause I'm looking for like, for your consideration awards like screenings right, right now right. and Disney's cause it's a, it's a 20th century picture. Sure. Um, Disney's, uh, FYC page, the bike rider disappeared from it. Mm. But now I'm wondering because they didn't move it to anything. They just took it off the schedule. Yeah. Maybe now that the strike's over, they'll put it back on sure. the schedule. Yeah. Because, it's uh, as Scott pointed out, I can't remember if this is on podcast on the, an episode or off the episode. Like one of the main things, you know, in terms of, marketing of Lucy that movie yeah. has going for it is that it has this great cast with Austin yeah. Butler and Jodie Comer and Tom Hardy yeah. uh, Mike Faced uh, I don't know oh, if Mike yeah. Faced is a big draw to other people but people who me. saw West Side Story yeah. uh, really like him uh, Michael Shannon's in it of course because it's a Jeff Nichols movie yeah um, anyway I, and yeah, also with, I, it, with a cast that big yeah. and it being like an actor led film then yeah if they yeah. can't do any publicity might as well yeah. push it until they can and in case uh, anyone listening didn't listen to the AFI Fest wrap up or at least didn't listen to all two hours and 45 minutes of it oh my um, I liked the bike riders quite a bit yeah. which surprised me because I haven't liked a Jack Nich Jeff Nichols movie in some time mm. um, I mean Loving was bad and it was bad, Special really. Was bad. A lot of people yeah. really liked it. Well, you but know, you're not no a lot of people. Taste, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we are so far off topic. Yeah. That's, that's so okay. one thing that I wanted to mention. Well, we were talking about streamers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm happy to pivot at this point. Okay. I feel like I've talked about that as much as I am able. Um, but, you know, you mentioned uh, the George W. Bush attitude of, like, going with your gut. Yeah. All right. So... I'll tell this story. I remember back when we were in college at Columbia College, Chicago, and uh, is everything okay? Um, I think so. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> well, um, uh, yeah, everything, everything looks. I'm looking at the the readout. We've had problems. We had a problem once where my mic like cut, cut out. out completely oh, for man. like like early in the episode and stayed out the rest oh, of the episode. Man. And I had sort of levelized it and kind of fixed it a little yeah. bit. But yes, I have been keeping an eye on the. Uh, read out here. Okay. Um, well, if you want, you can snuggle up here with me, <laughs> and if your mic goes out, you can use mine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 
I remember I was in a class called Acting for Filmmakers. And so we were all, you know, we would all act Acting for directors? I think it was officially called Acting for Filmmakers. All right. I would argue that actors are filmmakers, but... Oh, oh, that's true, yeah. Maybe it was Acting for Directors, but anyway. Um, And so we were all acting in each other's stuff, and then at the end of the semester, the teacher would, like, meet with us one-on-one and give us, like, an evaluation of our films and our and our ability to work with people and our acting. And I remember uh, the teacher said, he said, you are maybe the most instinctive actor that I've ever met. Hmm. And I was like, all right. And he said, now normally, that's not a great thing. He goes, but your instincts are good. And I was like, all right, well, that's good. <laughs> it still feels like I need to be cautious. Um, but that's the thing is I think that's very much who I am is like someone who approaches art, whether it be like creating it or talking about it, is that first and foremost, I go with my instinct, which is why, you know, we've talked about the fact that I do not take notes uh, when I'm going to be reviewing a movie. Yeah, um, you're, you're in good company. Scott doesn't take notes. Yeah. I know our friend, uh, friend of the show, Katie Walsh, is a big uh, no note uh, okay. taker. Do, do you know, have they given reasons why? I don't remember. But like, I, I love to take notes. Yeah. And that's the thing is, for me, my thought is, even though even though a critic has a, has a, a different role to play than your average audience member, I feel like, well, the audience isn't taking notes, you know, and they're, whatever's staying in their head as they leave the movie, like... That's that's just how movies are. And so I want to try and recreate that myself so that, like, whatever I'm left thinking about, it's like, all right, well, I guess that's the impression the film made on me. And so, I mean, and later I'll do research into, like, character names that I forgot or whatever, but... Uh, but that's the other thing. That's part of what, what I take notes for is, like, little shorthand, like, scene descriptions or sure. write-down lines of dialogue to yeah. make sure I don't forget them if there's a line yeah. of dialogue i want to reference i write it down and that's the thing is like in my mind if i forgot it it wasn't that memorable in the first place <laughs> i'm putting a lot of stock in my own memory apparently yeah. Yeah. um but anyway so that's the thing is i think i approach movies in a very i mean it will become intellectual as i discuss them but in the moment it's very instinctive and so when i think about that when it comes to like rewatchability um, there is this feeling of, and when I say it out loud, it sounds really stupid, even to me, but, you know, that's the nature of an academic discussion. Most of the stuff you're going to say is pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> you know, like when I was getting my master's degree, I would just be like, oh boy, we're all a bunch of fucking morons <laughs> until the last five minutes of class. And it's like, oh no, wait, we're all geniuses. Um, but no, like I... I instinctively feel like I should approach every movie as though I'm only going to see it once um, for whatever reason. And so, like, and just, and if I, and I'm going to get what I can get out of it the first time, and if what I can, you know, and if what I get out of it is not much, then I kind of see that as like, all right, that's the fault of the filmmaker, not me. Um... And then, of course, there are some movies like... I remember I saw Gosford Park, and I didn't like it very much. Then I saw it again, because I was intrigued. Um, and I liked it a little more. And then I saw it a third time, because Shen wanted to see it, and then I loved it. Now, I don't think Altman is relying on that, but I think he absolutely, like, with his overlapping dialogue, there are so many lines, and one could say entire storylines that are kind of thrown away and they reward repeat viewings but it's like yeah but but if it's not going to reward that on first viewing because you cannot guarantee that anyone's going to watch this again so it's like if you have an impression to make you should try to make it on your on the first viewing but i don't think that's i think that's you not all i I know that's because i i had not not a, a much different movie 
but at AFI Fest, whatever year this would have been, 2018 maybe, um, I saw the movie Vox Lux. Oh, yeah. Okay. With Natalie Portman. And I think I gave it a bad review. Um, or at least on the on the podcast I did. I, yeah. I, I didn't like it. But um, Scott liked it. Um, and often when, like, I feel like when you or Scott, the people I, the two people I talk about movies with the most, yeah. um, have a differing opinion than I do, it does get me intrigued to, like, maybe I'm wrong. Sure. That's also my self-doubt of being like, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Well, um, fun but, fact, I feel exactly <laughs> the same um, when you disagree or Scott disagrees with me. But, um, so, between the fact that Scott liked it and the fact that I found myself continuing to think about it. Yeah. There were things that, like, I couldn't dismiss. Yeah. I went back and watched it again, and it was, like, a completely different movie, almost. Yeah. I, now I would say I think Vox Lux is pretty great. Uh, and so that could have just been my headspace at the yeah. time. Who knows? Yeah, um, I mean, so much. change over time as well. Exactly. You know? I've like, been talking about, I need to rewatch. So I famously, to, to listeners of this podcast famously, um, was a Fincher skeptic up until Zodiac. Right. But Seven is the only pre-Zodiac Fincher that I've revisited since Zodiac. And I've oh, wow. revisited Seven multiple times. Cause, yeah. I mean, we talk about, like, you use the phrase rewatchable, which is a little bit like any movie that's available yeah. to watch is available to rewatch. Right. But, like, I think that gets back to that comfort food thing. Yeah. Like, which is weird that, like... <laughs> I Violent think, movies like Goodfellas and Seven and No Game yeah. for Old Men are my comfort food. But it's, you know, but, it's all about how it's done. Yeah, yeah. Seven is so satisfying. Yeah. But Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, however, is not very rewatchable. No, there's no, nothing, I have seen it twice. There's nothing uh, comforting about that movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I've been meaning to rewatch, like, everything from Alien 3 to The Game, which I forget yeah. about, Fight Club, yeah. and Panic Room. I've been meaning to rewatch all those because yeah. I know that I'm different now. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, I, I actually feel similar about Fight Club. I liked it at first, and then I turned 18 and didn't like it as much. <laughs> and I think I just kind of dismissed it partially because of my mindset. But I was 17, you know, and so... If I were to rewatch it now, I think I'd probably have I'd, pro- I'd probably like it more than I like, officially do. It's interesting how I feel like my opinion of a movie can change sometimes without me rewatching it, or like like you were saying, you feel like you would like it more. Yeah, a movie, very different movie, but speaking of that certain time uh, in your life, when I saw it in the theater, I did not like Peyton Reed's "Bringing It On." Bring it on. Oh, okay. And I have not seen it since yeah but when i think about why i didn't like it i think oh the reasons i didn't like it are probably what i would find interesting now yeah which is mostly the the thing i remember thinking at the time was like being frustrated by the movie's ambivalence about the world it's depicting oh yeah it it seems to go back and forth between mocking cheerleading and celebrating cheerleading as a as a pursuit and i think I would find that much more interesting. Yeah, if anything, it's like, I think that's the only way to approach it, right? (laughs) Yeah. But I guess at the time I wanted it to be one or the other because I was less developed as a person when I was newly 18 when that movie came out. You and I saw Mulholland Drive together, and I didn't like it because at the time I was very much a kind of story and character guy, Mm -hmm. uh, especially, you know, really well-structured movies. And so I didn't really... I mean, it was gorgeous, of course. Yeah. Like, I I couldn't deny that. Um, but I didn't really respond to it. Same when I saw last year at Marion Bad. Real quick, if listeners, if you want to hear my version of the first time we saw Mulholland Drive, okay. sign up for the Patreon. Oh. It came up on a recent fun game. Oh, fun game. Oh, cool. Well, you know, because... Where do we see it? The Three Penny? Yeah, Three Penny, yeah. which uh, is not um, yeah. in operation anymore. I mean, I think it's still in operation as a venue. It's not a movie theater. Anymore. Oh, that's too um, bad. Which I looked up on the... But, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know about the picture, because you and I used to do a TV journal every week yeah. or every month. Scott doesn't watch enough TV. Right. So we've been doing a fun game every single month. Sure. In fact, in October, we did two. Oh, man. We did a regular one, and then we did a horror-only edition. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. Oh, man, i got to subscribe to this Patreon. <laughs> yeah, everyone should. Yeah. Listeners, come and join me. Yeah. Um, 
the hell was I talking about? Mulholland Drive, and then you said last oh, yeah, year, yeah. Marion Bad. Last year, uh, Meister Harmonies, you know, which is now... Not one of your favorite movies. It's in yeah. my top ten, and it's not it's not going to go away anytime yeah. soon. You were so and mad at me for dragging you to that. Well... <laughs> On New Year's Eve. It was also New Year's Eve. <laughs> Perfect New I, Year's Eve movie. And, like, I believe... I had driven up from Springfield to St. Louis, and then you and I flew, right? Did we fly to Chicago? Uh, we definitely did that yeah. once. I, I, yeah, but that might either, have been, we might have been both like... Either way, I was exhausted. And that movie is not the one to watch when you're exhausted, especially when you're 19. Yeah. And so, uh, but no, since then, yeah, I've watched a couple more times, and I think it's an absolute masterpiece. And so I do think, you know, you bring something up, that I didn't think about, which is like, you know, I think when people rewatch a movie, it's because they want to re-engage with the emotions that the film made you feel or step into a specific world. Like, that's why I watch Lord of the Rings as often as I do, because it's such a completely developed world that I enjoy stepping into. Um, but there is that other thing, which is, yeah, the movie might not change, but we change, you know, yeah. like I'm sure there are, and I've said this before, but like, I'm sure there are any number of movies that I would, that I did not like when I did not have kids that I might like a lot more now that I, or at least understand more that I, now that I do have kids, like I haven't seen Kramer versus Kramer since becoming a father. And I have a feeling it would have a pretty big impact on me now. Yeah. And I loved it then. You know, so that idea of, of thinking like, well, what's something I didn't like when I thought I knew everything at 17? Yeah. Um, I should revisit it. Maybe I'm right. And maybe more likely I'm wrong. I think um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was also going to bring up the idea that I think most like non-movie people. The only reason they, as adults, not movie adults, kids yeah. rewatch movies over and oh over. Oh my, yes, the, I know. The question recently uh, uh, with friends, the question of what's the movie you've seen the most often, the most times came up. And my answer is always Die Hard. Yeah. But I'm not counting like, like yeah. Willow or An American Tale yeah. or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which I watched all the time as kids. Those are probably, as a kid, oh, those are probably higher on the list than I want to admit. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Well, I see, think, that's why Jaws works for me. Okay. I watched it when I was young and now. Um, but I think most non-movie people, adults, just like lay lay people, adults, they are only rewatching movies for the reasons you're talking about. Yeah. Because they're revisiting something that, that right. they expect to not feel differently about. They yeah. want to get that same thing back or they watch it for a special occasion, you know, or this is the movie we watch at Christmas or whatever like that. Um, but I do think there is some value in that, too. Like, I don't think that's a lesser form of. Yeah, no, I don't movies. mean to devalue. Like, it. I, um, uh, there is a certain amount of like engaging with art that like affects your brain and your emotions in a similar way to a drug. Yeah. So sometimes there is like, I liked the feeling I got watching that movie. Yeah. Like, there's a certain sort of like sublimation or catharsis yeah. or release or whatever yeah. um, I've certainly watched I've watched support the girls multiple times mm. because it's like it's so fun and yeah. funny and then the end of it I don't know have you seen support the girls no not the yet. end of it is such a, like a big like there's a release at the end and yeah. it does feel like I'm chasing the uh, conversely last year and this year were the first October's in a long time that I didn't rewatch the ring I used to rewatch the ring mm. every October and I found that it wasn't affecting me. Like the, yeah. I still appreciate the movie, yeah. but it was almost like like big smart pot smoke smart smokers smart smokers mm -hmm. big pot smokers having to like take a month off oh, to like, I like reset. Smart, I like smart pokers. Smart pokers, big pot smokers having to take a month off to like yeah. reset their like sensitivity, or whatever. That's kind of where I am with the ring. Is like I love the ring. I will always yeah. love the ring, but it stopped giving me chills so i need to like let that build back up yeah I've, maybe I've, next october i'll rewatch the ring again i've been thinking about that myself it's like there are movies i'm like oh you know what i haven't seen that in a while it's like yeah but you saw it so much that i don't think it's gonna have that same impact like yeah. la confidential like i haven't seen that in probably 10 years yeah but before that i watched it regularly yeah and and it was probably, yeah, like, 
it's nothing against the movie. It's that, yeah, I probably need an even longer reset. Uh, slightly off topic, but very much on that topic. Uh, Natalie and I were also talking recently about, well, like, songs that you know are good and you like, but you don't, like, need to hear <laughs> anymore, okay. you know, um, like... I, I, I threw out, like, uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Sure. Like, good song, but, yeah. like, I've heard it so many times that I don't yeah. think there's anything new there. Even a song that I, a band that I love, but, like, Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes, like, oh, yeah. I've heard that enough. I, and there's plenty of other Violent Femmes songs that I like yeah. even more. I don't need to hear Blister in the Sun again. I don't know if you have any. Uh, um, uh, yeah, honestly. I'm going to say the Johnny Cash version of Hurt. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's wonderful. And the video still elicits, still elicits emotion from me. Yeah. You've never seen the video? No. Well, obviously. Mark Romanek? Yeah. yeah. yeah and no, I believe it was voted by Rolling Stone as, like, the best music, music video of all time. Wow. Now, obviously, once we uh, stop just, recording, we're going to watch it. Okay. Um, I just, I'm insisting. Did Rolling Stone not watch the Steal My Sunshine by I, Land video? I know. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, um, well, I, genuine contender for favorite music video of all time is 1979 by Smashing Pumpkins. That's a, that's a great one. Yeah. That, it made, now, of course, how much did you come to appreciate it after you became a film historian? Uh, what 1979? Is that is, that's the one with like? Oh no, you're the, thinking of tonight, 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 the, tonight. The, the that's, right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which I should probably rewatch. A dude on the subway, like a busker on the subway, was singing tonight, tonight with the oh, acoustic okay. guitar the other morning. It was it was like, oh, what a great song. Yeah. I haven't listened to that in so now long. Now I'm now I'm struggling to remember the video for. 1979. Oh, it's kind of like um, it's like. A bunch of kids, like, kind of dazed and confused-ish, like having a party oh, or whatever. That's right. And then each of the band members plays a different, like, adult they encounter. Like, Darcy is, like, the neighbor who's like, that's turn right. that down. And James E. has, like, the convenience store. They, like, buy beer with a fake ID. And, and that's James right. E. Yeah. It's a very fun video. Yeah. And, of course, there's always uh, Tom Waits, I Don't Want to Grow Up, where... He sits under just, a table? Yeah, like, the camera is just, like... Looking at this, I, I, I forget if it's empty, but basically it's like this bar, and then it settles in uh, on one table with a tablecloth, and then zooms down, and the tablecloth opens like curtains, and there's Tom Waits huddled under the table with what looks like a ukulele, and just <laughs> sings the whole song. Um, I forget who directed that. We're way off topic, but yeah. um, another uh, Smashing Pumpkins one that is... Um, really fascinating in its execution is the song Ava Adore, which is just like Billy like walking through. It's a bunch of like almost like a side scroller video game, a bunch of different scenes that yeah. he's walking through as he's singing along. Yeah. But the camera, or not the camera, I guess in post production, it will yeah. sometimes speed up or sometimes go into slow motion. Oh, nice. But they had to plan it all out so that. Billy lip syncing to the song always stays the same. So, like, oh, wow. if they knew, hey, starting here, the camera's going to speed up, you're going to have to start singing the song very slowly wow. so that it matches in post. It's really fascinating. Yeah. There's, like, because I have the, like, uh, music video collection DVD, and there's, like, a making of. Um, oh, that's cool. Uh, and I got to so say, I'm, I am a sucker for those OK Go things, those, like, oh, right. Rube Goldbergian type yeah. things, yeah. where I guess it's, I mean, obviously the camera work has to be spot on, but there's no editing, so I guess it's more just a feat of choreography. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so going back to the, the topic, yeah, I do think... Um, I do think there is this, uh, I mean, it's kind of sad to mention it, but like there are movies that can make us feel things that we literally have never felt because of just the nature of life, you know, um, like Childbirth. To, to bring like, well, I suppose so. Um, but I mean, like I'll use a recent example, you know, I'm a, I'm a speaking of things I'm a sucker for. In Avengers Endgame, when Captain America gets that fucking hammer, man, oh man, that worked for me. And it's was, such a specific moment. It was such a big eye roll for me. Oh, right? man. But, um, I liked it yeah, just because, like, it's like, oh, they've kind of been setting that up for several years. And and I also like that, like, 
he, he not only gets it, but he uses it well, like, yeah. in coordination with his shield. Um, so I like I, that. I like, you said they set it up for several years, but I think what's fascinating about it is I don't think when Joss Whedon put that joke in All like, right. Age of Ultron, he was, think, he was thinking this. No, I think probably they, not. You know, they, the, the Russos sort of picked up on something that had been seen. Yeah. And like, I do like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I guess it, like, as far as eye roll moments in Avengers Endgame, at least it isn't as annoying as the like uh, girl power. I <laughs> like, know. And it's, it's so like condescending, I feel like. And it's just one of those things where like, it's like, I get what you're doing. And on one hand, I'm on, I'm in favor of it. On the other hand, when it's like, oh, Captain Marvel has help. Pretty sure Captain Marvel doesn't need any help, and he and she especially is not going to get a lot of help from fucking Mantis. You know what I mean? Like, she should not be on the battlefield at all. Um, um God, just okay. So I'll talk about MCU movies and okay. Captain Marvel. I think we talked about this off mic at the time. Yeah. But now enough time has passed that we can talk kind of spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange two. Yeah. Are we to assume that the Captain Marvel in that alternate universe yeah. has the same powers as the Captain Marvel in our universe? And if so, how does a statue fall yeah. or kill her? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I would assume it's the same thing. But uh, yeah, that does seem... I actually rewatched um, that Doctor Strange. Um, and yeah, that's that moment is just like... I don't know... Seems pretty, uh, kind of goes out like a chump here. Because in real life, in real life, sorry, yeah. in Earth Prime, whatever, whatever they call like MCU, in the real world of our MCU movies, yeah. statue falls on Captain Marvel, she barely yeah. feels it. It's gonna, exactly. It's going to be like the dude at the end of the rabbit in your headlights video when the car hits him. Do you uh, remember that? I don't video? think I remember that one. We definitely watched it together. It's, oh, did uh, we? Oh, okay. Um, I don't have a great memory for music videos, unfortunately. Right. Well, but uh, uh, yeah, check out the Rabbit in Your Headlights by Uncle. It's a cool video. But all that is to say, like, you know, whether it be Avengers or whatever, but like, there are these really inspiring moments that are so, just the nature of them is just so heightened that, like, very little in my life, certainly these days, but very little in my life can, like, create that level of exhilaration in me. Obviously, of course, like, I love when my kids were born, but that's a very different kind of feeling. It's not a feeling of triumph, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, when people do talk about escapism, I, I certainly don't uh, downplay the importance of that when watching movies. Um, because, yeah, like, sometimes our lives just don't lend themselves to, like, a lot of really great cheering moments. But then we watch a movie, and it's like, oh, I felt like... I felt that, and... I think I want to feel that again. Like, I think you're right to say it's similar to a drug in that yeah. regard. Yeah. Um, but uh, what do you think of the idea? We should probably wrap up pretty soon. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the idea of... And I guess this could have, apply to watching a movie for the first time or re-watching a movie, but doing it as a sort of self-assigned homework... I'm okay with it. A lot of movies I watch, I watch because I'm like, I've assigned myself to watch this movie. Right. But uh, I don't know if that's... But have you ever assigned yourself something that you genuinely don't think you'll like? Uh, Put, you know, outside of, you know, Triumph of the Will or Birth of a Nation or something. No, I've never seen Birth of a Nation. I have seen Triumph of the Will um, yeah. in, in a school context. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I must have um, watched or, or rewatched movies that I've... I can't think of any examples, though. Yeah, like, because I do think that there are movies that I'm not naturally inclined to watch, but if I know that they're really well-respected, then it's like, all right, well, I should watch it. But also, if it's as good as everyone says, there's a good chance that I'll like it. You know, so my my uh, my own preferences do play a role, and so it's like I need to overcome my natural preferences. Um, but in doing so, I'm also recognizing like 
there's a very good chance I could like this. Um, but you know what? I, I will say, sometimes you gotta rewatch a movie to know that you like it, and sometimes you gotta rewatch a movie to confirm that you do not. Um, yeah, I have that's... fucking, I've said this before, I have fucking given Tombstone every chance I can get. <laughs> every chance I can give it. Like, so many men of our age are like, oh, Tombstone, it's so great. And my thing is like, you like Val Kilmer. Yeah. The rest of the movie's fine. You like Val Kilmer. Yeah. Fine. He's great in it, sure. But let's not mistake one performance for the whole movie. Yeah. And then I will say... Oh, also... No, Val Kilmer, also costumes. Great costumes in Tombstone. I think that goes a long way. I get, that's true, yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel overly polished, but it certainly doesn't, you know, came out around the same time as Unforgiven. And it's like, right. yeah, those are two very different westerns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I rewatched a movie, and this is going to be one that I feel like I might get some flack for. And I think I've said it on the show before, but I keep giving it a chance, and I think I might be done giving it chances. And that is The Shining. Oh. Um, I recognize how beautifully composed it is. I recognize the pacing, the sense of dread, and yet somehow I'm not invested. I don't like what Jack Nicholson's doing. And it just feels like a very muddled movie. Um to me like it's not it focuses so much on Jack's insanity that it's like okay yes but this is also supposed to be like a haunted hotel and it feels like that aspect of it to say nothing of the shining itself really does seem to be pushed to the side in favor of like oh this guy's gone crazy oh wait he's always been crazy you know and just after a while I don't know it just it just leaves me uh, leaves me pretty cold. That's uh, that's a bummer to hear because yeah, uh, uh, yeah I find the movie uh, really haunting and beautiful. Yeah. Um, weirdly, it just came up in conversation last night because Natalie said it might be the scariest movie she's ever seen. And a lot of people say that, and that is definitely not how how, how it works for me. Although it does not keep me from enjoying Room Two Thirty Seven. Made by friend of the show Rodney Asher, which oh, I watched. Made the nightmare. Uh, That's the right. scariest movie I've ever seen. Boy, oh boy, That's a rough one. I think for my own personal reasons, the scariest movie I've ever seen is Arachnophobia. Because I, like, it might not be the scariest made movie, but when you are an arachnophobic, as I am, that movie will ruin your life. Maybe the rest of your life. You know, you and I have talked about like. You can't reach underneath a lampshade. I mean, without, I can, but well, I think yeah, about it. Yeah. But your mind's going to go to that immediately. Um, yeah, but I don't have the fear of spiders that you have. No, not many people do. Although I took a psychology class once, and they talked about, like, an irrational fear of spiders. In which case, like, there, there was this one woman who refused to open her kitchen cabinets because she was sure that they were so full of spiders that when she opened it, they would just, this wall of spiders would fall on her. And so I was like, all right. I think that goes beyond a record. I think that goes, yeah. yeah. I think there's more stuff at play there. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, like, I'm not going to stop rewatching movies. Um, I'm not coming out in favor or against it. Probably more in favor if I had to choose. Yeah, I would say. But it's more just kind of it's just something we all do. Yeah. And I feel like it never hurts to dig into why and like what we hope to achieve if we hope to achieve anything. And then like doing it like we do it instinctively, but it's like, well, maybe let's dig into why we're uh, rewatching a specific movie. You know, like my favorite movie of all time is Nashville. You'd think that that means I've seen it a ton of times. No, I've seen it like four times, maybe five, since first seeing it 21 years ago, you know? And then, like, same with Citizen Kane, up until I started teaching film classes, 
I think I had only seen Citizen Kane probably like six times. And then Jaws, however, which is my number three, that one easily, it's probably probably getting uh, getting close to a hundred. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of people would probably say like, well, obviously that's your favorite movie. And it's like somehow that's not the case. And uh, yeah, there are other other factors. And there's I mean, other Die factors. Hard, Die Hard is easily uh, and it's the movie I've seen the most. Yeah. Um, not counting all the movies I watched over and right. over as a kid. Right. Um, but Die Hard isn't even in my top ten movies. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's great. And like the other movies I've seen a bunch of times: Days of Confused, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. These are probably my top hundred movies of all time. Yeah. But they're not. Yeah. I feel like we could do a whole separate episode on rewatchability. And what that means, what makes a movie, like, first, defining it, and then determining, like, what is it that makes a movie rewatchable? Well, yeah. Well, maybe Something the to topic and, and should be, and the listeners can tell us if we already did this, comfort movies. Sure. Yeah. All that right. feels um, like one we've done already, but you never know. Yeah. I have other ideas for topics that I will talk to you about off mic, because okay. I'm going to give away our, our gold here. Indeed. Um, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. It's also where you can find the Patreon. I'm really plugging the Patreon today. Patreon.com slash battleshippretension. Uh, there's that. You can find uh, Scott's been reviewing movies like uh, Madman over at battleshippretension.com. Uh, yeah, Rudy's quite literally. Been... He's, <laughs> just like, he's just flinging his fingers at the keys. Like, there's no actual words in there. Yeah. It's very... A lot well, of, he thinks a his lot computer's of, full of spiders. A lot of windings. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Rudy's been doing home video reviews for us. That's been great. Yeah. Um, you can uh, find my other podcast, the one where I met your mother. Uh, there, obviously, we've been talking a lot about Matthew Perry recently. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Blue Sky at Davy Pretension. Uh, email me at David dot com. I want a letterbox at David Bax. You can find me, Tyler. Where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the one that I uh, use more actively mm-hmm. because uh, I'm more personal on that one. So you you can follow me if you uh, want to see like silly movie observations and the depths of despair. Yeah, that's so one or the other. One or the other. Yeah, not much in between. Um, but also, I've been writing for so there's this uh, streaming service called Rediscover Television. I've talked about it before. Um, and they started a blog that at the moment is just me. Um, but I'm really happy with a lot of the stuff I've been writing on there. Um, I just wrote like a little summary of like what film noir is. And then, uh, I recently wrote a review for Five Nights at Freddy's. And I wrote a lot of stuff about, uh, horror movies back in October so if you just search for Rediscover Television and blog, uh, you should be able to find it and uh, read all my stuff there. All right. Um, thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.